It's Thursday, March 3rd, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen, from Hidden Gems, Charlie Travers, and from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann. Guys, good to see you. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. We've got a new Argentina ETF that we're all really excited about, and we've got Yahoo trying to sell itself in Japan, but we're going to begin with retail. On Thursday, most of the country's retailers reported better-than-expected same-store sales for February. Among the big winners, Saks up 15%, Limited up 12%, and Costco up 8%. Uh, Charlie Travers, I'll start with you. Uh, Target was even up almost 2% uh, gap. Uh, well, you know, as my it's, mother said, the if, gap. You, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, but it was down 3%. Uh, but overall, what was your take on the retail? Oh, yeah, sure, Chris. Uh, for the second uh, month in a row, Victoria's Secret from Limited Brands was absolutely on fire. Uh, they did 15% comps, and, and actually they are in a better position than a lot of other retailers because they actually have pricing power on their goods. Uh, if you look at some of the pressures facing uh, companies around the mall, um, they're going to have a lot of problems this year with cotton, uh, other you know, fabric bricks like cashmere, all going up in price along with labor and material costs. And, you know, a company like Limited Brands is in a better spot than the rest, which I'm actually um, not that bullish about. I'd put a red light on most of retail. Bill Mann? You know, I'd really like to highlight, there was a story today about the cotton prices going up and how it's going to harm retailers. They're going to have to raise prices 5%, 10% and whether they can do it or not. This, once again, just highlights to me how most financial journalism is really just math-addled. <laughs> I, I took a look at a couple of companies, like True, True Religion, for example. Most of their expenses are in salaries and marketing. It's not in cotton. So, I mean, if you want to look at it. <laughs> right. Well, their, their $200 jeans probably only cost $15 to make. Exactly. Yeah. They, right. they, 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 cost, they cost so little to actually make that these input costs to me, I mean, just pay your CEO a little bit less and you fixed your cotton problem. You know, to Bill's point, where are the cotton price increases going to hit hardest? It's on the low with the low-end retailers who don't have that big brand markup on their goods and, and don't have as flexible a cost structure. So that part of retail would be that maybe be the double red light to throw, right. to throw on, especially with unemployment you, being as You know, I'm not sure that I agree entirely because a lot of the low-end stuff is that that's the second-run stuff. That's the stuff that didn't get sold over Christmas anyway. I mean, a lot of those are, you know, a lot of that is, uh, you know, TJ Maxx doesn't take the first run. They take the stuff that wasn't wasn't sold right, at right. Nordstrom. So. Well, yeah, the TJ Maxx CEO said they're happy to have the brand companies raise their prices. They're, they're going to come in and do just fine underneath That's them. TJX. Yep. Are there um, other retailers at sort of the lower end that you think might make for interesting investments or at least worth a second look? I continue to think that Walmart looks pretty good today. Um, you know, and, But it's going to be a little bit patient here in the U.S. because I think the only thing that really helps turn around for them is just the general recovery in the economy because you know moving into urban areas and inner cities as they're planning to do only compounds the problem of going into places where there's not a lot of disposable income and high unemployment. But we talked about this on, on yesterday's Market Foolery. Um, Dave Meyer made the point when you're looking at Costco. I mean, Costco over the last few quarters has been delivering at a high rate of return and at the lower end, you've got Walmart. I think it's seven straight quarters of uh, same store sales decline. In the U.S., yeah. In the well, U.S. Well, Costco is, I think Costco you could actually characterize as a high end business because they've got that membership fee out front. Right. And, you know, folks who don't have a ton of disposable income 
even though you can get you know good prices when you get inside the store. I mean, that's sort of a delayed good or a deferred good, and human beings don't act aren't wired that way all the mm-hmm. time. So that membership fee, I actually think, ends up you don't get as many discount shoppers as you do end up getting at at a Walmart. Bill? The other thing that you get at Costco is that membership fee really prevents theft. I mean, you know, you don't have people who are wandering into a Costco because right. you have to come in with a membership card, which gives them another really one or two percent to play with each, uh, you mm-hmm. know, each year. The FTSE, the UK stock index, announced today the launch of the first pure play Argentina ETF. It will seek to replicate the returns of the FTSE Argentina 20 index, which is a benchmark of the top 20 companies in Argentina. Bill Mann, you like looking internationally for investments. You've got to be ecstatic about this. I I think that we as individual stock pickers need to stop for a moment and just praise the fact that so many different ETFs are coming out (laughs) in smaller and smaller segments of the global markets. I mean, you can buy one that's just agriculture. You can buy one that's just Greece. You can buy one that's Norway. And now you can buy one that's Argentina. And, And to me, what these are is these are macroeconomic bets. You are able to buy a basket of stocks with one instrument. You can trade it all day long, and it takes up a huge amount of the liquidity of the market. So what happens is, when someone says, oh, I want to get out of Argentina, they sell all of Argentina at one time. And that could be some good companies within the 20 or some bad, but it doesn't matter. They're all getting bought and sold at the, at the same time. And it could be a virtuous or a vicious cycle. And you know, as a value guy, I love it when it gets vicious. Tim Hanson, with uh, Motley Fool Global Gains, one of the things that you do when you're looking at an investment is you're also looking at the country where that investment resides. Um, What is the Tim Hansen Global Gains take on Argentina? Well, I am fired up to see how they're going to market this thing because (laughs) Argentina is not, you know, if you ask me to rank the, the 10 countries around the world I'm most excited about, you know, Argentina is not on that list unless we're talking about flying down there for some dancing and some steaks. What is um, the tagline? Is it Argentina? It can't get any worse. That, I mean, that's, that's a good one. You should probably send that in. Or, you know, Argentina, don't actually look no, at what we've we're got. We're not Zimbabwe. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> It can only go up from here. Argentina, hey, the wine's good. Someday we'll, someday we'll neglect ourselves. Yeah, I mean, you know, the investment take is that I think Latin America as a region has a very promising future, uh, especially when it comes to sending all the, the, the commodities and natural resources they have to the countries that really need them. Um, but I wouldn't bet 100% on, on any one country there, let alone Argentina, which historically has been one of the most unstable uh, in the region. So I would say if you're going to take a basket approach, it's probably the right approach, but don't do it with ETFs. Do it by picking good companies and spread that exposure around the entire region, not just Argentina. All right. So so safe to say we have no bulls in the room when it comes to the first pure play Argentina ETF. Well, not on. I mean, if you could do it for like Argentine steaks, I'd buy that. <laughs> Absolutely. Second, no, give me a steak. Buenos Aires is probably, yeah. I would definitely make my top five favorite travel destination. So, an so. ETF that's steaks, wines, dancing, leather, I'm good. Yep. <laughs> Strong buy. Strong buy. And finally, shares of Yahoo are up over the past two days. I know it's shocking, but it, they really have been up over the past two I'm days. I'm going to give myself a, a self-high five for this. <laughs> On reports that the internet company is in talks to sell its 35% stake in Yahoo Japan. Uh, Tim, Yahoo also has a 43% stake in Alibaba, an e-commerce company in China. Uh, they're not looking to sell that. So what's going on with Yahoo? Well, they may be. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, so this is you know my my 
stock of interest that I mentioned on the radio show not too long ago. And the reason is, is you've got a really, you've got a struggling core business at Yahoo, but their balance sheet owns a bunch of really attractive assets, including Yahoo Japan, which is the dominant portal there, and this stake in Alibaba Group, which owns Alibaba.com, um, Alibaba, uh, Alipay, and Taobao, which are you know the payment process, the best payment processing system, the largest um, business to consumer eBay, Amazon.com type website in China. So these are really valuable assets, and you know you've got a CEO. At Yahoo, Carol Bartz, who I think would be generously described as embattled, <laughs> um, you know, and, and for better or for worse, you know, how do people Argentine judge? Argentine levels yeah. of embattlement. <laughs> uh, for better or for worse, CEOs today are generally judged by the performance of their stock price. And, you know, Yahoo stock is not going to go up because Yahoo performs better. I, I don't see that in the cards. So what is the easiest way for her to get that stock price up? It's to start realizing the value of these assets on the balance sheet and, and bringing that value back to, to Yahoo shareholders. You know, it starts with Yahoo Japan because that's an easy one to mm-hmm. move. It's publicly listed. They can, you know, they can trade it. They can figure out how to dodge some of the tax consequences. But I think it's heading towards Alibaba Group because, the, you know, the two companies don't like each other even anymore. Even though Yahoo owns this big percentage, uh, there was a story not too long ago that Alibaba CEO and founder Jack Ma was in Silicon Valley and failed to even tell Yahoo he was going to be attacked. <laughs> so that gives you a glimpse into just how frigid this relationship is. So I think at the end of the day, Alibaba wants them out. Uh, Yahoo is probably willing to talk a deal because this is one way for Bart's to get her stock price up. And I think, I think Yahoo shareholders are going to benefit in the near term, but they are going to end up sacrificing a lot of long-term gain because I think Taobao and Alibaba is going to go on for, the, for a long time to be a great company. So, But what is the move after that? Let's say that they sell this stake. They get several billion dollars uh, for their stake in Yahoo Japan. What does she turn around and do with that money? I mean, what, what is the thing that shareholders want to see in 2011? Well, that's the question. Is you know what shareholders probably want to see is um, cash, the cash. <laughs> cash. You know, give me give me a dividend. Um, you know, I think someone would probably be even okay if they they bought back some shares at, at at the current prices and took out some of the float. What you don't want to see, you know, is Yahoo go out and try to compete with you know, I don't know, invest in Twitter, Facebook, do one of those huffing to post type acquisitions to try you know, go go brinksmanship with AOLs and Googles of the world. So uh, that's what you don't want to see. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do because even if they extract value from Alibaba Group, if they then, on the other hand, go and light that value on fire, <laughs> we're net zero <laughs> as shareholders. Um, Baidu was also in the news, uh, Bill Mann, because of the uh, the U.S. trade representative, uh, I believe, listed Baidu as – And Alibaba. And or Alibaba, Taobao, I should say. As uh, notorious markets. Please explain. You know what they could have done. I mean, it, it's it's amazing to me what 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 buffoons politicians tend to be because what they could have done is just said, China has a lot of counterfeiting because what what basically what they're saying is that you've got these two huge web markets in China that where a lot of counterfeit goods are being sold. They're basically red flagging yeah. Baidu. Yeah, but anybody who's ever spent time in China on the internet knows it takes forever because someone is approving the page before they send it to you. So nothing can get done in China over the internet unless someone official has looked at it first on a page by page basis and they're saying, well, you know, Baidu's bad and Taobao's bad and there are these markets. It's all – I mean, they could have just said there's a lot of counterfeiting in China and, you know, government's complicit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they wouldn't possibly do that. All right. Bill Mann, Charlie Travers, Tim Hansen. Guys, thanks for being here. 
As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. And be sure to catch Motley Fool Money Radio Show this weekend on radio stations across America, online, and on iTunes. We'll be right back.